It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? It is uh, Pushing the Limits. Your host, yours truly, Brian Shapiro. So glad you could join us in the heart of March Madness. It is hump day. It is Wednesday. A lot of college hoops to talk about today. Well, we always have a lot of stuff to talk about. we got some great guests lined up for you. Going to have a lot of fun coming up in hour number two. Former UNLV head coach and, of course, the father to the current head coach, Lon Kruger will be joining us. Talk to him a little bit about, uh, I'm sure he's very proud of what his son has been able to accomplish. Lady Rebels are playing in the finals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament tonight. The men play in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament tomorrow. Uh, So exciting time. Lon Kruger will be joining us. Oh, we're going to have a lot of fun coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Guy we're having on, he's a candidate for Congress in California. He's from Jamaica. His name is Errol Weber. And he's been endorsed by Michael Flynn. I'll ask him about that. Because usually I'm in the business of not wanting to – wouldn't want to be endorsed by people who lie to the FBI, but I'll, I'll ask him about that. Errol Weber says you know, he wants more people like Lauren Boebert in office. Um, so I'm going to ask him about that statement, and there's plenty of topics, California, and just general topics when it comes to policy and the Joe Biden administration. Uh, it should be an interesting conversation. He's going to be joining us here in just a few at the bottom of the hour. Uh, getting back to the basketball topics – going to bring you a story that involves Russell Westbrook. Some are calling him Russell Westbrick. The reason why is because, well, he's putting up a lot of bricks. Russell Westbrook's not having a very good year. He's not shooting the ball very well. He's claiming now that this is the reason why he can't bring his family to Laker games. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, The Laker crybabies, I think that should be their new name. It's just unbelievable to me. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the program as well. I just don't get it. You know, you're a professional athlete. Fans should never be allowed to threaten you or swear at you or make comments about your family. I, I'm, I'm all for that. Throw them out. But if somebody calls you brick in your name, there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of being a fan. You're allowed to voice your opinions. You pay money for tickets. But Russell Westbrook seems to have a problem with that. And now even Magic Johnson has gotten involved with it. So, again, we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the program. It's utterly ridiculous. I want to start with an update on the uh, Brittany Griner story. Again, if you don't know who Brittany Griner is, one of the best female basketball players in the world. And there's a mugshot that has been released. No video or anything like that, but it's a picture of Brittany standing up there, which looks like it's in some sort of correctional facility, and she's holding up a piece of paper with her name on it. Now, nobody seems to know when this picture was taken. Nobody seems to know how her health is, how she's being treated. There's not a lot of communication, if any. So this photo just been released. CNN got it. And uh, she has a look on her face of absolute unhappiness and concern. And I don't blame her because she could be facing up to 10 years in jail. Now, I don't even know if they found drugs or they found this oily substance on her person. We don't even know if they're telling the truth. We don't know anything about what the Russians are doing to her. That's what's really scary about this. 
You know, and I spoke briefly this morning to her high school basketball coach who plans on joining us on Friday. And this is this is a very volatile situation. It's a very dangerous situation. We don't know what they're going to do to her. And again, I, I make the comparison to Otto Warmbier, and I hope I'm wrong on that. But who knows what they're going to do to Brittany Griner. It's terrible. It's a horrible situation. But i got to tell you something, folks. I'm getting really frustrated with what some people are saying on social media. Even uh, former athletes, current athletes like Reggie Bush, who went on social media. And he's blaming the fact that the WNBA doesn't play their players enough and that Brittany Griner should have never had to have played in Russia And if she wasn't playing in Russia, this situation would have never happened in the first place. Let me tell you how ridiculous that statement is. But before I do, before I get to the the meat and potatoes of the Brittany Griner situation, and I will, I have to share you a funny story. And I almost forgot. So last night I was at the uh, West Coast Conference basketball tournament. Gonzaga against St. Mary's. Gonzaga didn't play their best basketball. They're the number one team in the country. They really didn't look like it, but they got the job done. They were able to beat a very well-coached, and, and they, these guys play hard on St. Mary's, that, that team that's 16th, 17th in the country. Anyway, Gonzaga wins the game. So I'm hanging out, uh, went to the game with my friend Chris Wynn. We're at the Orleans. And we're like, you know, why don't we check out the Big West? Not because it's going to be a great game between Cal Poly and UC Irvine, because it wasn't, but we want to see the new arena. It's the new arena where... Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights farm team, the Henderson Silver Knights, are going to be playing within a few weeks. So we, we drive out there. And I said, so after the game, you know, the, the next game started around 8.30, so we want to catch that last game. We leave the Orleans Arena at around 8 p.m. And I said, hey, Chris, can you find me the address? And he says, don't worry about it. I got it covered. Yes, that's how he talks. And uh, I said, all right, I'll just find, just to do the GPS and you tell me how to get there. So he's like, all right, it's on Water Street. I'm like, okay. I I didn't know. It's the Dollar Loan Center, right? I I don't know where it is. So he gives me the directions, and then we drive up to this, I guess you could call it arena. What what was it? The Lifeguard Arena, it was called. Uh, I'd never heard of it before, but I'm like, okay, is this the arena? I thought it was the Dollar Loan Center. I don't know. We park, and he's telling me where to park and all that stuff. So we get out of the car. We're walking in, and I'm expecting to see a – and it's weird because I don't see any cars. I don't see any fans. I'm like, wow, I guess there's not a lot of UC Irvine fans here today. But okay, we're walking. And then as we're almost at the doors, he looks at me and he says, bro, I think I gave you the wrong arena. I'm like, what do you mean you gave me the wrong arena? Yeah, it's supposed to be the Dollar Loan Center. This is the lifeguard. Why didn't you tell me this when we were in the car? So I am pissed off, right? Because we drove like 20 minutes out of the way, and I'm missing the game. And I specifically said to him, please find me the address. Leave it to Chris Wynn to drive me to the wrong Arena, And I don't even think by lifeguard center. It's not even like an arena. I don't even know what it is. I guess there's swimming pools in there, basketball courts, like a big YMCA. So at this point, I am livid. And I, so I, I'm so angry that I'm just driving. I'm like, will you give me the address, please? It takes him like 15 more minutes to finally give me the address. But eventually, Chris got me to the right place. It took you know about 45 minutes of driving to get there, which should have taken about 15 minutes, by the way. But I did go to the new arena in Henderson called the Dollar Loan Center. And I would imagine 99.9% of you have not seen the arena from the inside yet. Um, But I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, um, this new place, it's really awesome. And this is where the minor league affiliate for the uh, Vegas Golden Knights will be playing. Of course, as I mentioned, the Silver Knights. Really nice. It's right next to uh, Green Valley Ranch Casino. It's literally like a block away from there. So I walk into the arena, and i got to say, it is beautiful. 
I would say as far as size-wise, it's probably somewhere around Mandalay Bay, their arena. It's, it's, it's close to that. Yeah, somewhere around five 6,000. Uh, they have some nice suites in there. It's very new. So I'm walking around the concourse, and I see they have this uh, Nevada Sports Hall of Fame wall, which is really cool. You see all these former Rebel players and plaques up there. People that, like uh, the former Nevada uh, Boxing Commissioner, uh, Mark Ratner, is honored up there. All, you know, different journalists are being honored up there. It's really cool. And I think it's, it, it, and you know, it's not just basketball. They have like uh, the golf team memorabilia when they won the national championship at UNLV. And it's not just athletes. It's all sorts of different people, politicians. I thought they really good at, really did a great job in, in putting this together on the wall. And then as I'm walking around the concourse of this place, I see there's a really cool sports bar and restaurant. Inside the arena, like a sports bar. So, you know, if you're watching a hockey game, maybe you're watching the Silver Knights game and and it's kind of boring, you could always go into the sports bar or even between periods, grab a drink, get something to eat, watch another game on television. I thought that was really cool. Really, really nice arena. Folks, when you check this out, trust me on this one. You're really going to like it. Right now, they got the Big West basketball tournament going on there. Not a lot of really good teams in this conference. I got to be honest with you, but there's a few, but it was fun. It was fun to check out this arena for the first time. I think it's a fantastic venue. It's going to be great for our AHL affiliate to the Vegas Golden Knights. Great state-of-the-art facility. It's at a nice location. It's right off the highway. It's easy to get to. Right off the 215. Beautiful. So next time I go, I'm not going to ask Chris Wynn for directions. I can tell you that because then he'll take me to the Lifeguard Arena in, in, in like downtown deep into Henderson. But, you know... Uh, I just have to, sometimes you just have to do things yourself, right? We, we all know what that means. You do it yourself. So uh, it was fun, though. Fun checking out the new arena and really looking forward to it. If I'm not mistaken, I believe April 2nd is the first game that the Silver Knights will officially play in that arena. They still got a couple more games at the Orleans, and then they move into this new arena, and man, it is beautiful. I'm going to wager a guess that it's probably going to be just like our AAA baseball affiliate plays in Summerlin. This is going to be one of the nicest. AHL arenas, if not the nicest in the entire league. I mean, it's just beautiful. So kudos to them. I thought they really did a, a fantastic job. So getting back to uh, the Brittany Grinder story that I that I mentioned earlier, there are people on social media, former athletes and even current athletes, that are saying Brittany Griner should have never had to have played professional basketball in Russia, and she wouldn't have played there The WNBA paid them more money. Yeah, there are people out there that are blaming the WNBA for not paying their athletes more money, saying, oh, this would never happen with LeBron. Yeah, there are some people that are comparing Brittany Griner to LeBron James. There are some people out there that are comparing the WNBA to LeBron James. Now, let me be clear on this, okay? I like the Las Vegas Aces. I enjoy covering the Las Vegas Aces. I think it's a fun family atmosphere, and I recommend anybody go check it out. It's fun. But let's be clear on this. The WNBA, it's not a great basketball product because if it was, the league would make money every year. They don't. I think they've been around for over 25 years, if I'm not mistaken, and this is public knowledge. Every year, the league loses money. So the ridiculous argument that, oh, you should have paid Brittany Griner more money, and if you did, she wouldn't have had to play in Russia, is ridiculous, and it's ignorant. Find me a business that loses money every single year, but yet people are crying, pay your employees more money. 
you'd never find that anywhere else. Only WNBA players that seem to be saying they need to be paid more money. It's ridiculous. And it makes absolutely and positively no sense. You're only worth what the product is worth. You couldn't even sell out Mandalay Bay for the WNBA All-Star Game a few years ago. You couldn't get 6,000 people in the stands for the WNBA All-Star Game. And by the way, the Aces get pretty good crowds for WNBA standards. But the idea that you want to blame the WNBA... By the way, the only reason why the WNBA still exists is because of the NBA. It exists because of people like LeBron James and because the NBA makes so much money in its billion-dollar business. That's why the WNBA exists. It does not... All due respect to to the players, and I respect them. But with that being said, the WNBA exists, and these players are getting paid... Not because they're great basketball players, because there's something called the NBA. Now, I'm sorry if some women out there don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. I'm not saying don't go to games. I enjoy covering the Aces. I really enjoy going to those games. I loved you know, being around Bill Beard and interviewing him, and Becky Hammond is fantastic, and I'm so glad she's our new head coach. Those games are fun. I remember when Kobe used to bring his daughter to games. His late daughter. It was, it was, you know, it's awesome. I love seeing all the Raiders uh, players and, and, our, and Mark Davis, uh, the owner, and seeing people support the Aces. I think it's awesome. I've interviewed nonstop. I've interviewed uh, most of the players on the team. They're very nice ladies and uh, great athletes, and it's fun to watch. But if the product is making money, and if the product is making a lot of money, then you got to pay the players more. You could make the argument that Brittany Griner is getting overpaid. The product isn't making money. How many times do I have to say this? And there are idiots out there, luckily not many, but some, that are saying, blame the WNBA for why Brittany Griner was, was, is behind bars now in Russia. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, by the way. I'm going to assume that they didn't plant something in her bag, that she made a mistake. Does she deserve to be behind bars? Absolutely not. I feel horrible for her. She definitely, it appears, made a very big mistake. There's no question about that. But the idea that she need, if she was paid more money, well, I guess, yeah, I guess if she was paid more money, she probably wouldn't be paid in Russia. Why, should, why do any of these WNBA players deserve more money if the product is losing money? <laughs> I mean, to me, it's such a stupid argument. Listen, you could talk about how you know the WNBA doesn't promote the league as much as they should. Yada, yada, yada. The bottom line is if the product is good, people will show up. It's why the Vegas Golden Knights sell out every game, or just about every game, because they're a good hockey team, because they're competing for a Stanley Cup. They're good. There's a reason why nobody shows up to UNLV football games, because they suck, and they've been bad for a very long time. Mark my words. At Allegiant Stadium, if UNLV football is competing for a Mountain West Conference title, the fans will show up. You look at the last few weeks of the UNLV basketball season, the crowds are getting much better. Why? Because Kevin is winning. That's why. But in the WNBA, people aren't showing up not because teams are losing. It's because the product is not, again, I'm just going to say it again, it's a fun atmosphere. Great athletes. There's some great players in the WNBA. The product is just not good enough for the league to make a lot of money every year or any money. Again, the league loses money every year. How can you make the argument that the players deserve more money when the league loses money? 
It, it, listen, I, I just I don't understand it. That's like if you work at a car dealership and your salesmen are not selling cars and your business is losing money. Do you think the salespeople deserve more money or more commission? Of course not, because it's not making money. I don't know. Am I wrong on this? Can you name me one business that has lost money for over two decades every single year and all the, player, all the uh, employees are, are demanding a pay raise? This isn't chauvinistic. You know, this isn't bias. This is just business. This is logic. I wish the WNBA made money every year. I really do. The Aces crowds are pretty good. They're not bad for WNBA standards. They're really good. And I'm not saying it's not fun to go to Aces games because I go to Aces games. I enjoy it. I enjoy covering the team. They're fun. That's not what this is about. Is there a chance that Brittany Griner, you know, is there a chance that the Russians planted something in her bag? I guess that's a chance. There's a chance that that would have happened. But if they're going to plant something, why would it be this oily substance? Why wouldn't it have just been like cocaine or something? That's why it leads me to believe that they didn't plant anything in her bag, that this was uh, Brittany Griner's fault. She made a very bad mistake. In no, now, listen, if that happens in this country, anything close to that, you're lucky if you even get, you're, you're unlucky if you even get cited a fine. It's very different. But when you're in Russia, you can't do that. You can't make a mistake like that because if you do, you could end up like Brittany Griner. And listen, I, since I, my heart goes out to her family and friends. I hope she's okay. I hope she gets out of this okay. But I can't look you in the eye and tell you that she is. I can't even – nobody can give you a guarantee that she's going to get out of this thing alive. Her, her basketball career might be over. And again, this is one of the best female basketball players in the world. And her career might be over. Now, I hope that doesn't happen. And I would like to think that our government is doing everything they can to try to get her out of there. But there's only so much they can do. What can they do? You could try to negotiate to get her out. Probably not a really good time to negotiate with the Russians right now. I'll tell you that. You could, if you're Brittany Griner, you couldn't have chosen a worse time for this to happen. As Russia's in war with the Ukraine and the United States, not backing Russia, and they shouldn't, by the way, any way, shape, or form. Neither is most of the world. You could not have hand-chosen a worse date or a worse time for this to happen. And this happened last month, by the way. She was put into custody, my understanding, before this war started, because this war has been going on for only a few weeks. But, you know, I look at this mugshot, and it's very sad to me. And Lindsey Graham, who I'm not a huge fan of at all, you know, two-faced Lindsey Graham, who, in my personal opinion, is a brown-nosing buffoon. But when it comes to Vladimir Putin, I do agree with him. He was asked about Brittany Griner, and he was asked about Vladimir Putin. TMZ cameras caught up with him as he was walking out of the airport. Here's what Lindsey Graham had to say about the Russian situation and Brittany Griner. Yeah, I mean, I think most Americans understand that Putin's a war criminal. Uh, sooner he's gone, the better. The only way this ends in a sustainable fashion is for the Russian people to take him out. I'm not asking for American boots on the ground, but I want to help Ukraine, you know, with uh, military equipment, with assistance. But uh, Putin's gotten away with murder for 20 years. Enough's enough. He's got to go. And you stand by what you said. You still totally. feel it today. 100%. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the sports girl, uh, Brittany Grinder, right? Brittany Grinder, the basketball yeah, I, player. Is she yeah, going to be a yeah. pawn right now in this I whole situation? I very much worry about her and other Americans calling Putin's Russia. 
and uh, yeah, we need to put all the pressure we can to make sure this young lady comes home. Is anything happening right now? Is any movement uh, on I that know right now? The State Department's involved. All right, so listen, I agree with Lindsey Graham. We need to take Vladimir Putin out, and he's not saying that we need to put boots on the ground, but we need to, uh, you know, the world needs to take Vladimir Putin out. He needs to be buried. And by the way, uh, from what I've just under, uh, what I understand, hash vape pens are what they found on Brittany Griner's person. Really stupid. Now listen, sometimes I lock my keys in my car. It doesn't necessarily mean that I deserve to be behind bars for 10 years. But this is a really, really stupid mistake that Brittany Griner made. Does she Again, does she deserve to be behind bars? Of course not. Does she deserve – her and her family deserve to be going through this? Of course not. I'm on her side 150% with that evil Russian regime. 150%. There's only so much our politicians can do. You know, Lindsey Graham says, hey, we got to put pressure on the Russians. Well, yeah, but what could you possibly do? To get her out of there. There's no question that the Russian government, they're going to use her as a pawn, as a political pawn. It's terrible. But ladies and gentlemen, to blame the WNBA, to blame the WNBA because they didn't pay Brittany Griner enough money, and that's why she's in the situation she's in now, is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's ridiculous. It's it, 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 it's so beyond the pale of foolishness. I don't even know where to begin there. It's so stupid. And I've heard this over and over and over again, that these women deserve to be paid more money. Listen, there's a reason why Serena Williams and some of the, you know, she's not one of the best in the world anymore, but there's a reason why Natalie uh, Osaka, there's a reason why top 10 female tennis players in the world get paid so much money, because it's a very popular product. And it's always been my favorite female sport to watch. Fans show up. The rallies are usually longer than the men because they don't hit their serves as hard, which I think makes for a more enjoyable match to watch. It's why I, sometimes I prefer female tennis over male tennis. And that's why the money is so good in professional women's tennis, because the product is good. Now, listen, you can handpick some players like Brittany Griner and others in the WNBA that are really fun to watch, great athletes, and I would agree with you. But overall, the product is just not that good. And I don't like comparing men to women in certain sports, and those women would absolutely kick my ass. There's no question about it. But with that being said, there is absolutely no comparison between the WNBA and the NBA. And that comparison should never be made. And I see these other things on social media. Look at the pay that Sue Bird gets compared to LeBron James. Well, yeah, that's because... The reason why LeBron is getting paid so much money is because people pay a lot of money to watch him play. I mean, this isn't hard to figure out. How many people are buying tickets to watch Sue Bird play every year? It, there's no comparison. It's why the WNBA, again, loses money every year. If the product was as good as you say it is, then the business would make money. If your food at a restaurant, as good as you say it is, then why are you losing money? The same question is for any business. If your product is that good, you should be making money. Now, you could make the argument. You don't have the right staff. You don't have the right uh, promotions. Okay, fine. Everybody knows the WNBA exists. Everybody knows where their team is located. So the whole promotion thing is nonsense to me. We all know where our WNBA team is. We all know when they play. 
You can go on your cell phone and find out the schedule. To me, it has nothing to do with promotion. How much does the NBA need to promote their league? Not much. You'll see ads here and there, TNT or ESPN promoting a a game. Yeah, of course, the networks are going to do that. But really, how much does their organization promote their team? You know the team exists. You know it's there. You're going to buy tickets. You're going to go to the game if you think it's a great product. It's as simple as that. Now, that argument frustrates me enough, but now you're going to say that that's the reason why Brittany Griner was captured? No, she was captured for two different reasons. Number one, because of an evil murderous regime that is taking advantage of an American basketball player and they're evil. That's reason number one, but reason number two, at least it appears to me, you probably shouldn't be walking around an airport in Russia with hash vape pens, especially at a time like now in a foreign country. It's stupid. I mean, what do you want me to say? It's dumb. She doesn't deserve this. Her family doesn't deserve this. She made a horrible mistake. But mark my words, ladies and gentlemen, this has absolutely nothing to do with pay. I know there's a lot of athletes that compete overseas. By the way, there's a lot of men that compete overseas. You know why? Because they can't cut it in the NBA anymore. There's a lot of guys that play overseas not because they're not getting paid enough in the NBA. It's because they're not good enough. It has nothing to do with, you know... Oh, the NBA should have paid me more money. You ever hear an NBA player say that? Well, the NBA is not paying me enough, so I guess I better go play in Europe. No, they go play in Europe because they're not good enough. WNBA players play in Europe because the product's not making money in this country. The product makes money in Russia. The product makes more, actually makes money in Europe. That's why they pay more in Europe, because the product makes money. Not too difficult to figure out, ladies and gentlemen. So if there's anybody out there that wants to blame the WNBA for the reason why Brittany Griner is behind bars right now, you're a dope. You're a dope. The two reasons I just mentioned, evil, murderous regime in Russia, number one. And number two, don't walk around with hash vape pens in in Russia, especially if you're an American. Probably not a good idea. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. The guy joining me next, this is going to be a very interesting interview. I, I, I do have a lot of respect for him. He's from Jamaica. He came to this country, made something of himself. His name is Errol Weber. He lives in California, and he's running for Congress in California. He was just recently endorsed by General Michael Flynn. He said a lot of controversial things on social media. Some of the things he says I agree with. Some of the things he says I disagree with. But I'm going to talk to him about that. Why does he believe that Lauren? we need more Lauren Boberts in Congress? That puzzled me. I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to ask him about the situation in Russia. I'm going to ask him what would he do in California? What would he do for his constituents? Ask him that and much, much more. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will be joined by Errol Weber. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Wednesday. So glad that you can join us. Now, as you know, there's a lot of elections all across the country, including for our governor here in the state of Nevada. And I like to talk to different people, not just in Nevada, but all across the country, even our sister state, I guess you could say, California, right down the road on the 15, right? And uh, the guy we have with us on the line right now, pretty interesting story. He is originally from Jamaica, and uh, he's running for Congress uh, out there in California and uh, recently endorsed by General Michael Flynn. We have uh, Errol Weber joining us right now on the line. Mr. Weber, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Sure. So can you just give me a little bit of background on you? How long uh, have you been in this country, and when did you decide to come here? So my family and I came to the U.S. 
in the summer of 2002, so almost 20 years ago. And we came to Baltimore. And I finished high school in Baltimore, went to the Maryland Institute College of Arts, studied film there for four years, and then immediately went into the documentary world in 2008 and started shooting documentaries about disability in Zimbabwe. The, the resulting film won the Oscar for Best Documentary Short in 2010. Wow. Did a documentary about uh, women's health in Liberia, about HIV awareness in Zambia, and then here in the U.S., did documentaries about access to health care in rural America, uh, about public versus private education and what it takes to get your child the best education possible. Mm -hmm. uh, did films about uh, bullying, about the school-to-prison pipeline, and even a faith-based documentary about improving police community relations. So oh. a number of different topics. So you're obviously... Yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. After doing all of those film screenings and whatnot, town halls and workshops and mm -hmm. conferences, I thought, what is the best way to put all of this knowledge to use? Mm -hmm. Yes, you can create policy that better society, but you can take it a step further and run for office yourself. And that was the choice that I made. And that was going to be my next question to you. So you're obviously a very educated man. You, you certainly made somebody of yourself, that's for sure. And you're a success story coming here from Jamaica. I, I think that's awesome, and I think that's great. And I, I certainly think we need more people that, that are diverse, that are, that are representing us uh, in this country. I think that's great. All right, so let's talk about uh, some policies, maybe some things we'll agree on, maybe some things we disagree on. You had a tweet the other day uh, where you said we need more people like Lauren Boebert in Congress. Why do you say that? Over the past few years, we've seen that, uh, and the term I like to use is milk toast. Milk toast go along to get along incumbents are part of the reason why we are in the situation that we're in right now. And I want to explain it by pointing out that there are certain, there's a certain set of conservative beliefs that are held widely by most or if not all conservatives across the country. And when you find an incumbent who is willing to compromise on one or more of these conservative beliefs, it ends up having a very negative effect, not just on the people uh, in a given district or in the state, but also it has the negative effect of enabling future uh, liberal behaviors in Congress. So, for example, uh, back in October of last year, we had that uh, spending bill the infrastructure bill that was 9% infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And I believe 13 Congress members uh, voted for it. Mm -hmm. And uh, 13 Republican Congress members voted for it. And hidden in that bill, not quite hidden, it was there, is that it was funding uh, Planned Parenthood. One of the things that this infrastructure bill was doing was funding Planned Parenthood. And here we have incumbents, and I'm just going to go across the pond to uh, New Jersey's 4th Congressional District. I think his name is uh, Chris Smith, mm -hmm. the incumbent Republican. And he voted for it, and he was confronted about it on, on the news and all that. But he was also endorsed by a very, uh, a very important Catholic organization or Catholic community uh, in his district. Right. And you would think that the, the very people who worked and walked doors to put you in office to represent them 
that you would ultimately Listen, represent Mr. their views. Mr. Weber, I understand where you're coming from when it comes to you want people that stick with their beliefs and don't give. I, 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 I understand that point, but I have to ask you this. Uh, Lauren, mm-hmm. and I think you know this. Lauren Boebert is a woman who made a racist trope about Ilhan Omar, about possibly being a suicide bomber. She bragged about trying to bring her guns into Congress. She's an uneducated woman. Only after trying to run did she get her GED. She interrupted Joe Biden when talking about dead soldiers. And then when it came to defending those soldiers with policy, she voted against a bill that would give them free health care. This is a woman who has an arrest record, who, by the way, lied about her arrest record. She lied about her volunteer work in jails. I mean, I get what you're saying where you want someone to stick with their Republican principles. That's cool. But you have to admit, we don't. this is not a credible woman. This is a woman who, who says disgusting things on a regular basis. And I'm not even talking about policy now. I'm just talking about as a human being to interrupt the president of the United States at the State of the Union address when he's talking about dead soldiers, to me, is disgusting. When there is a, a, a shooting, a mass shooting in her community, within an hour after that mass shooting, when we don't even have the names of the deceased, she decides to go on social media and talk about the NRA and how we all need more guns. So I would just say to you, sir, respectfully, do we really need more people like that in office? I get your point about you want people to stand by their principles, but this woman doesn't seem to have any character or any empathy for people. Am I wrong? I believe that we need people in Congress who are willing to call out, uh, how do I word this? To, To call out injustices is one, but also to make sure that they are making their voices very clearly known when it comes to where they stand on an issue, and also making sure to hold other elected officials accountable for their misgivings. So just like how you're holding uh, Lauren Boebert accountable for her misgivings, I believe we need people in office who are also working to hold other elected officials uh, in office. Sure. I absolutely I absolutely agree with you. I think we should be able to hold everybody accountable. I just don't think it's the time and place to do it when the president is talking about dead soldiers. Can we at least agree on that? I believe that she picked an opportunity where she had the eyes and ears of the broader American community and was able to immediately interject when it came to addressing something that Joe Biden has largely either swept under the rug or been quiet about in hopes of it going away. We have, and if you remember this, uh, the whole Afghanistan situation happened in mid-August of last year. Mm -hmm. So since mid-August of last year and the botched exit where he moved most of the military out first before the civilians, we have this situation now where it shows weakness because we've emboldened and enriched the Taliban uh, through the failures uh, on his part, but then also resulted, uh, because of this uh, mess up that he had with this withdrawal in in Afghanistan, we end up having a situation where uh, 13 service members lost their lives. And in many cases, of course, of course, uh, hindsight is 2020, I get that. Um, But why were we in a position where we had members of the Taliban pre-vetting vehicles before entering the airport. Listen, there is no question. In, uh, Mr. Weber, there is... resulted in a vehicle there is no question. coming to the border and 
of the airport and blown up yeah. the gate. Mr. Weber, so, there's, there's, um, there's no question, Mr. Weber, that Joe Biden certainly made some mistakes when it came to Afghanistan. I'm not going to defend that. All I will it's all- not just some mistakes. 13 people died. Understand. It's not just some mistakes. Okay, but what, wouldn't you also agree, though, that uh, Donald Trump emboldened the Taliban, as you said, when he released 4,000 terrorists? Because I never heard you complain about that on social media. If we're going to be consistent, sir, let's be consistent. Donald Trump wanted to release, uh, wanted to get out of there much earlier, and he released 4,000 Taliban terrorists. Wouldn't you also agree that that also emboldened the Taliban? No, I would not agree. <laughs> what? And I would not agree. Why? Why? How is releasing 4,000 terrorists not emboldening uh, the Taliban? Explain to me why. We had an exit strategy in place that started out, I believe, at the end of 2019, if I remember correctly. And uh, we had an exit strategy in place that was uh, supposed to involve us being out of... uh, Actually, let me make sure I get my dates and times right. Mm -hmm. Because if I remember correctly, it was, I believe, May 31st or uh, Mm -hmm. thereabout of 2021 that we were supposed to be out. Yeah. Um, We had the opportunity to uh, round up all of our troops and round up all the people who were in Afghanistan and all our allies in Afghanistan and move them out before that deadline. Sure. What caused that delay? Because you can't say that it wasn't possible because when uh, when time was of the essence, they were able to scramble in the uh, in just the space of the month of August. So you can't say that you didn't have the time. Listen, so it I, is possible I, to move people out. I understand. But what the I, other thing to keep yeah. in mind, there, there's another thing to keep in mind, and it's that um, when you have a person in office who is decisive about, uh, about their political decisions and sticks to those political decisions and immediately ensures that people who mess up or people who um, threaten America, I'll put it like that, are met with immediate consequences, mm-hmm. it becomes one of those situations like where when you have a, like there's a, a quote that goes, the mouse, the, the mice go out to play when the cat is away or something like that. Okay. You see, it's really easy for people to believe that once Let's go with that. authority me... figure Understood. that puts the hammer down, yep. uh-uh. uh, it's really easy to believe that an authority figure, when they when they put the hammer down, that everyone else Understood. stays in check. You, you said but when something. When an authority figure leaves, right. yep. it's really easy for other people to be emboldened yep. to go and if, do further uh, yep. harm to other people. If you're just joining us, there is that. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Errol Weber. Uh, he's from Jamaica. Uh, came to this country in, in the early 2000s. He's running for Congress in California. All right, Mr. Weber, you just said something that I agree with. I want to see decisive people. Uh, that when people threaten America, uh, they suffer consequences. So let me ask you this question then, sir. When every, okay. when every agency in this country said that Russia interfered in our elections, Donald Trump stood there on a stage with Vladimir Putin. He took Vladimir Putin's side and said, well, Vladimir Putin said he didn't interfere in our elections, so I don't see why he would. The CIA, the FBI, every agency in this country, and we know it to be a fact, they interfered in our elections. So you tell me, was Donald Trump being decisive there? And uh, when Russia threatened America and interfered in our elections, did he give Vladimir Putin any consequences? Why did he side with Vladimir Putin? So are we now concluding that Russia interfered with our elections when new evidence just came out 
that it wasn't Russia that was interfering with our elections, but in fact Hillary Clinton. This is where are you getting that like from? Three weeks ago, Hillary Clinton this interfered in our. Where are you getting that from? What, what what website or what news agency said that Hillary Clinton interfered in our elections and uh, Russia did not? Because the CIA and the FBI all concluded that that's not true. Hillary didn't interfere in our elections. Russia did. Where are you getting that information oh, so, from? So Hillary's camp spying on President Trump as he was a candidate, and then even after uh, winning the election, uh, having her having spies, uh, people spying on President Trump okay. while he's in office. All right, let's talk about that. Uh, even are we going to ignore that? No, let's talk about even if that is true, which I don't believe it is. But even if it is true, let's just say for argument's sake, you're 100 percent right. That still doesn't take okay. away. That still doesn't take away from my question. Russia interfered in our elections. That's not up for debate. They did. The CIA and the FBI conclude. Even if you're right, and Hillary Clinton did, the fact of the matter is, is that Trump still sided with Vladimir Putin. So let me ask you another question, sir. Uh, as you know, you're a smart guy. You know what's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, we know that Vladimir Putin is an evil, murderous dictator. Why is it that after Russia inter- invades the Ukraine, our former president, who you support, Donald Trump, called him savvy and smart and called him a peacemaker? Do you think Vladimir Putin is a peacemaker, number one? And number two, do you think it's appropriate for a former president who ill-advised war invades another country, killing innocent families and innocent people? Do you think it's appropriate for Donald Trump to call him a peacemaker at this time? Is that holding him to the fire? I don't recall him saying that. He, he may have said it, and I just haven't been in the environment to hear him say it. I may not have seen the press conference or the interview or, or, or the speech. I just haven't heard those words. Now, I was at CPAC uh, two weeks ago, and I heard directly from him where he said about uh, Putin being smart. I did hear that. Um, now, we have to point out that it is a reference to, how do I word this? When in the world of international politics, you can either play 4D chess or you can play checkers. And President Trump, and I can't speak for President Trump, but what I believe is going on is that we have someone who is currently in the White House who believes it's fine to play checkers while everyone else around him is playing 4D chess. And, that, that, and you're entitled to your opinions when and it comes to Joe Biden. But dangerous. Well, don't and you, that is dangerous. You're entitled to your opinions about but Joe Biden. But my question wasn't about Joe Biden. I actually think, to the contrary, it's dangerous for a former president to call an evil, murderous dictator smart, savvy, and a peacemaker after he invades another country. And I'm just surprised that you won't call him out for that. But, uh, hey, we'll move on. We'll agree to disagree. You said uh, on Twitter we got nearly $8 uh, gas a gallon. Uh, Biden, voters mm-hmm. must, Biden voters must be so proud. Um, if you talk to economists and people around this country that know a little bit about uh, you know how this stuff works, it, it's, it's out of Joe Biden's hands. Why do you blame Joe Biden oh, for high gas prices? I respectfully disagree Why? on that. Why? What policies has okay. he, have you put in place? Oh, that... my gosh. Go ahead. <laughs> go, go, go ahead. You're entitled to your opinion. Tell me All why. Right. So here's why. Uh, the rise in fuel prices have much to do with the person sitting in the White House. If on day one you sign dozens of executive orders, some of which include shutting down constructions of pipelines, 
canceling or not renewing or pausing federal oil leases but that and later paving the way for russia's Nord stream 2 pipeline let's talk about the pipeline decisions like these begin yes. to immediately have an impact right, on let's, oil speculation let's start there let's start there let's try to do one at a mm-hmm. time here let's start with the pipeline so one the, at a time. the death of the keystone pipeline from canada seems to me to be a talking point for Republicans because that pipeline wasn't even... And it shouldn't be. Well, well, let me tell you why. The pipeline wasn't even scheduled to be operational until next year. So with that being the case, how could you say that's responsible for high gas prices? Sir, with all due respect, that makes absolutely no no sense, and it has zero impact on today's gas prices. It wasn't even scheduled to be operational until next year. All right. Well, let me uh, explain it like this then. Okay. All right. One of the factors that oil speculators look at when determining short and long-term oil prices is the general sentiment toward oil production by a particular country and their president. So this is how I explain it. If the general sentiment is to make America energy independent and the resulting action is to facilitate more oil production and is evidenced by the U.S. becoming a net exporter of oil, that sends a signal to the rest of the world that the U.S. has put itself in a position to have leverage to keep fuel prices competitive. If, on the other hand, the general sentiment is to aggressively reduce oil production as the U.S. pursues green energy initiatives, while ignoring that transition will take years or decades, then that sends a message to the rest of the world that the United States is giving up its leverage, at least in the short term. And now, since the U.S. is more dependent on oil from other countries, it disincentivizes other countries keeping their oil prices competitive. The amount of leverage the United States has over oil prices is not so much dependent on the amount of oil we produce, say, on federal lands as opposed to private land. It is more dependent on our long-term sentiment toward oil production. The policies we push to support these sentiments and the message it sends to the world. Okay, well, we can talk talk about messaging, but I would also say that something you failed to mention is that there are 9,000 approved permits, oil sites in this country right now, that are not being used. And there's also no question that this war in Russia uh, and the Ukraine is affecting oil prices. So we'll agree to disagree on that, but let me just add again, the Keystone Pipeline wasn't even scheduled to be operational until next year. You said on Twitter, sir, the same people who are crying and screaming for Trump to leave office are also now yelling out prayers for the Ukraine hourly. They wouldn't have to pray for Ukraine if they just been able to handle some mean tweets i have to disagree with you and i want you to comment on that but this is a little also, bit, this is a little bit more than mean tweets that we're talking about here sir donald trump lied about the coronavirus from day one he said 15 cases down to zero no, that's he, a lie that's a lie really see he didn't say, he didn't say 15 cases down to zero he didn't mock people for wearing masks he didn't talk about injecting yourself with disinfectant at press conferences am i lying about that sir? oh you, uh, he did not he did not say inject yourself with disinfectant. He brought it up in a coronavirus press conference. That, that is petty. No, it's and not. completely mischaracterized. What did he what say? What did he say? He did didn't, not go down that path. He didn't talk about the possibility of disinfectant and how it can cure the coronavirus? He didn't do that in a press conference? There are medical-grade disinfectants that are used okay. in, the medical, in the medical world. That cure the coronavirus? Uh, and he was not talking about using bleach. He talked. He used the term disinfectants. Can you tell me what disinfectants are curing the coronavirus? Then, then why on earth? I, I am not a doctor, and I'm not going to pretend. Neither is to Donald be a Trump, who knows the, the medical name of uh, of these disinfectants. Because but there are disinfectants that are used in the medical field. <laughs> that is not bleach. 
I didn't say that it wasn't that, used. I didn't say that it wasn't used in the medical field, and that's not what he said. He said that it could cure coronavirus. He said that in the coronavirus press conference. You're right. I'm not a doctor either, sir. Neither are you, and I respect you for saying that. Neither is Donald Trump. What I am saying, it was inappropriate for him to bring it up. He also mocked people for wearing masks. He also lied to the American people when he said 15 cases down to zero. He compared it to the flu. All right. So, so rewind, rewind five seconds. Rewind five seconds because I want to talk to you about the mask really quickly okay because even early on there were email screenshots from dr fauci where dr fauci admits early on in the coronavirus pandemic that masks do not work and then they spent a year and a half uh like banning people from twitter and throttling people's following when they started saying anything against the narrative of wearing one or two masks he never said masks he never said quote masks don't work he said certain masks are more effective than other masks so that's that's not true that's again why are we talking about attacking Dr. Fauci, who's worked for four different administrations, who's been an infectious disease expert for 40 years. But when I bring you a statement that Donald Trump says, who's not a doctor, which is absurd and ridiculous, you have no criticism for Donald Trump. Sir, he compared it to the flu. He knew that that this was five times more deadly than the flu because he said it himself. And then two weeks later, he gets on on a world stage and compares the virus to the flu. And you have no criticism for that. But when it comes to Dr. Fauci, you want to attack him. Sir, with all due respect, I, I think it's it's ridiculous. Why do you attack Dr. Fauci? Well, when I, then I will I will say this. Then I will say this. Then I believe that it is important for us uh, on the federal level to not be collaborating with the media to create mass hysteria for 330 million people. It also is important to not downplay it to the point that uh, like nothing is uh, happening. Okay. I remember where I was when I was listening to the uh, to President Trump's press conference uh, about this. I believe it was like March 6th of 2020. Uh, I could be wrong about the, the date, but I, I remember I was canvassing my district. Actually, it was before that because the primary election was March 3rd. So it was probably the last week of February of 2020. Um, and I... I remember canvassing the district and hearing this speech because I had it in my uh, playing on on my phone. And he mentioned the the 15 to zero. I remember that. Sure. Um, He was wrong. And I remember he said that uh, the COVID um, and this could have just been uh, how he mischaracterized. No, not mischaracterized. What's the term I'm looking for? Um, Lied? Misspoke. And saying that COVID was a hoax. Excuse me, COVID is not a hoax. COVID is very real, Mm -hmm. but the hysteria that was being placed around it in the beginning stages of it was a hoax. What do you mean by hysteria? hysteria? Uh, We've almost had a million people that have died of this virus. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we're going to address COVID, one of the things that should have been done from the very beginning is recognize and respect individual rights, individual liberties, and individual responsibility, which is not what happened. What ended up happening is that you had a Democrat pylon where they saw it as an opportunity to centralize more and more power within the federal government. Okay, so hold on. Let me ask you. should never have happened. Let me ask you a question. Let me finish, please, kindly. Kindly, let me finish this little section really quickly. Go ahead, go ahead. I believe that it's important in addressing something like COVID that instead of doing a nationwide shutdown or having whole states shut down uh, businesses for weeks on end and shut down churches and shut down anything, what should have uh, happened, and again, hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, what should have happened was uh, federal and state governments should have just simply put out a list 
of guidelines that businesses could, on their own volition, apply as necessary to the operation of their own businesses so that they could continue to keep their business open and keep their employees and their customers safe. We did not need to shut down the country and destroy the economy just to address COVID. Can we agree on that? Uh, No. With kindly, respectfully, sir, disagree with you, and here's why. This was a global pandemic that we have never seen before. Quite frankly, sir, I don't trust people. I don't trust people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and Donald Trump. They're the ones who made it political. And by the way, the idea that Democrats wanted you to wear a mask so that they could remain in power is the most ridiculous thing with all due respect I've ever heard. There's no politician that would inconvenience businesses and force you to wear a mask in hopes that it would help them remain uh, for political power. I think that's insanity. I think there, the re- I highly recommend you do some traveling the world because I quite literally have been to countries where they will exploit people for political gain. Well, I'm talking the about... The very first I, I, I went to film a documentary in Zimbabwe understood. where they did that. I understand, it but is, that's a different circumstance. Okay. I'm talking about... You're talking about exploiting people, asking someone to put a mask on or, or maybe get a vaccine. You said on Twitter, how do you make an entire world forget that you just locked them in their homes for two years? Nobody was mm-hmm. locked Nobody was locked in their homes for two years, so I don't know what you're talking about there. You said, threaten them with a nuclear war, apparently. Do not forget what they've done. Not now, not ever can it be possible sir that businesses were shut down and by the way no businesses are shut down now can it be possible that people were listening to actual real doctors and scientists and we were at a point where so many people were dying every day that it actually could have been the right thing to do and it actually saved lives i tend to think a little bit more about people not dying first than how much money they have in their pocket i believe lives were saved i'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind i'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind okay Freedom comes first. What good is freedom because when you're six feet you underneath start, the ground? Freedom comes first. What good is freedom when and you're six feet why. underneath the and ground? Tell me that. Co- and again, still, freedom comes A lot first. of the right the wing. The moment that you're willing to make any inroad on freedom in exchange for uh-huh. safety, that is when you start losing your freedom. And then, then why is it then why is it you have country. to then why is it you have to wear a seatbelt? Why is it you can't drive drunk? If if freedom comes before safety, then why is it we have all these things in place? Should we just trust people? You don't have to wear a seatbelt. You can drink as much as you like. We just trust you. We're not going to drive a car. If that's the case, if freedom comes before safety, why don't we let people have hand grenades? Why don't let why don't we let people have any type of hold weaponry on, they want? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because this is where you start nicking away at little rights here and there and nicking away at little rights here and there. You see, COVID, when it affects a person, it affects them, the individual. Not true. It also rising affects everybody else. Clearly, that's that's on, not true. What you rising just, drunk clearly has... With all due respect, sir, sir, with all due respect, what you just said so, is not correct. If you have COVID, you can give it to other people. It affects all of us. If it just affected you, I would agree with you. Do whatever the hell you want. If you want to get sick and die, that's on you. As we know, uh, the super spreaders or people that held events like Donald Trump... People died. A lot of people died because you could be asymptomatic. That's the problem with this discussion. It doesn't just affect you. As we know, one person could affect many other people. It could be people you live with. Just because you're going to be fine and you're in good physical shape doesn't mean you can't give it to other people that it affects. You have to know that, sir. Tell me you know that. Well, that is why at the beginning of the, or a little of the way into this conversation, I brought up that what should have happened in the beginning was that there should have been a set of guidelines released by 
the federal what and good state is guidelines if people don't do it? What, on their own what, good, what, what good is guidelines if people don't abide by the guidelines? Donald Trump was holding campaign rallies with 50,000 people during the heart of the pandemic. Obviously, some people don't abide by the guidelines. So what good is a guideline? Uh, do you think it'd be a guideline if somebody said, you know what, we won't pull you over and arrest you, but you don't have to well, wear a seatbelt. Well, it's just a guideline. Mind. Keep in mind, keep in mind, guidelines are not laws. Guidelines are suggestions. Understood. Understood. So and that's can, so I, you I hear can, you. So again, you can employ these guidelines on your own volition to the extent that you deem is necessary for right. the proper operation of so your the, business. So the honor so system. If you own a winery, so for example, if you own a winery in the middle of farmland, do you need to have the same COVID restrictions as somebody who runs a comedy club in an enclosed space? Well, no. there were different so guidelines for outside you and inside. You don't need right. to do a, a full statewide shutdown. There were different guidelines for people that were outside and then people that were inside. You know that. So in your world, are you mean to tell me that nobody Good sh- job! You just admitted to why Trump could hold rallies. Good job. Uh, well, first of all, there's a fine line between somebody in a in a wine yard, a couple people in a wine yard. Are you really comparing that to 50,000 people together, outside or inside? Oh, and by the way, sir, in Las Vegas, he held a rally during the pandemic inside, not outside. So they weren't just outdoor rallies. How well, can- guess what? All of those people were all freedom-minded who were like, you know what? I will take the risk. Because and some I'd of those much people died. A little than spend my life living in fear. And you know what? Some and of those that pe- is something that that is something that is so important. We need to stop living in fear because if you allow fear to paralyze you and keep you locked, keep yourself locked up in your house for months and months. Nobody that's had, not living. Nobody was forced to, again. That's. That's not true. Nobody was forced to be locked up in their house. That's number one. And number two, there are a lot of right-wing talk show hosts that spewed the same stuff that you did, sir. We disagree. And now they're dead. Uh, there are right-wing hosts that said, ah, my freedom's more important. And they died of COVID, sir, and they're dead. So what good is freedom well, when you're six what? feet underneath I the ground? I also believe that my freedom is important. And I am willing to take the daily risk, and I will mitigate risk as I see fit. And I will assess risk as I see fit and, uh, and adjust my life personally to ensure that I am doing what I need to do and what I feel I need to do to keep myself safe to the extent that I right. am uh, willing to assume. Well, risk. listen, let, let, me, let, let, let me close in saying this, sir. I have a lot of respect for the fact that you came from another country. You came from Jamaica. You come to this country. You make a good life for yourself. You're obviously an educated man. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for you for that. We obviously disagree when it comes to a lot of policies. I just think we're at Mm -hmm. a point now where I don't think you would ever interrupt the president during the State of the Union and spew garbage. I don't think you would do something like that because I would think you have more class. But Lauren Boebert wasn't spewing garbage now, was she? Yes, she was. She's blaming uh, Joe Biden for 13 deaths. And then uh, a couple days later, she she doesn't. Yeah, I would too. Okay, well, I will well, blame Joe Biden for those 13 okay. deaths as well. So, so first of all, doing that at the State of the Union is is the, uh, the the worst possible thing you can do as far as class is concerned. And then secondly, put your money where your mouth is or your voting record where your mouth is. She voted against a health care plan to help some of those men and women in uniform a week later and give them health care. So in a second, she wants to make a name for herself by interrupting the president, and then a week later, oh, her voting... I can, I can actually explain votes like that. I can explain votes like that. Let me explain it to you. So, you see, there are many of these, and this happened a lot in 2020, and it, it's really unfortunate that it, they got signed into law, but there are many of these omnibus bills that uh, made its way through Congress, made its way through the Senate, and painted President Trump into a corner and forced 
systems have to sign it. For, for example, like you'd have an omnibus bill that where a section of the bill is just for stimulus checks. But then the vast majority of the bill is for things like, I remember one of them, I don't think this one passed, but I remember one of these bills that included things like uh, money for counting how many amberjack fish are in the Gulf of Mexico, and another one was for, like, sex education in Kenya or something like that. I'm just like, sex ed in Kenya, amberjack fish in the Gulf of Mexico, what does that have to do with stimulus? So here we are blowing up America's budget, and there's a tiny sliver of it that is going towards stimulus checks, but the rest of it is all this nonsense. And you're telling me that just because it has, like, $1.2 billion worth of money set aside for stimulus, that we should just allow the other $2.5 billion worth of garbage to go through at the same time. So, I Mr. We Weber, hang on. Single-issue bill. Let Excuse me. Hang on the line. Single-issue bill. Hang on the line. We got uh-huh. we, uh, we to do a quick station ID. Be back in one second. I'll respond to what you just said. Yep. All right. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking with the candidate for Congress, uh, Errol Weber, originally from Jamaica. We're having a spirited debate on policy, and uh, obviously we disagree on a lot, a lot of issues, which is fine. I, I don't mind. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. I don't mind a good debate, and uh, I, I don't mind a good conversation, and I think this is one of those. So even though we disagree on a lot of things, let me ask you this. We have a form- I'm loving this, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm glad you are. I am as well, sir. So I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. And listen, I, I don't think Joe Biden is a perfect I'm president. I'm a huge either. fan of Donald Trump. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Um, a man who's had 25 women accuse him of rape or sexual assault, including his ex-wife. A man who said the election was a fraud and that Joe Biden stole the elections, Democrats stole the which is a, a, obviously a lie. He got hundreds of millions of dollars in donations that he kept for himself. A man who's been right. sued his entire can, life. Can hold, right on. hold on, you're, hold on. You're, 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 as, you're doing as an okay. immigrant who came into this country, you have Donald Trump who's called Mexicans rapists, and he said, I suppose some of them are good people. You have a man who defended the Confederate flag. When NASCAR decided to ban the Confederate flag, he went after NASCAR. But God forbid he sees a Black Lives Matter sign, and he takes every opportunity. He's gone after women based on looks. He went after a POW in John McCain, saying he didn't respect him because he was captured. Never once have I ever heard you criticize Donald Trump for anything. None of those things. Nothing. It's always on the left. Why don't you criticize Donald Trump for being a scumbag? Why don't you criticize Donald Trump for dodging the military? Why don't you criticize Donald Trump for lying every day with his nonsense that he won the election in a landslide? Why don't you do that, sir? All right, so so I, I want to respond to every single one of these. If you have the time on the show to do it, I will like to engage you on every single one of those things that you just talked about. Sure, sure. And here's why. Here's why. I'm going to say this very clearly for all the people in Radioland. Errol Weber, candidate for Congress, was and still is very much so a big supporter of President Donald J. Okay. Trump. So defend the things I said. And his America First policy. <laughs> America First. Let's okay, make that abundantly clear. Yeah, yeah because Donald all Trump right? doesn't so think about himself said. first. Because so Donald Trump doesn't care about so, himself first. He cares about America first. That's ridiculous. But go ahead. So, so think about this. Uh, the very first one that you brought up is uh, the 25 women accused. Yep. Um, so here's how this works. The court of public opinion is not a legitimate court. His ex-wife in court, uh, in it, court it, documents. Listen, 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 because I'm running for a job that has to respect the Constitution. 
and people have their Fifth Amendment due his, process right. His ex-wife. So if you're going to present an accusation to somebody, these you need are, to present evidence you're not, in a court of there law. There was. I just told you. His ex-wife did it in a courtroom, and then he paid her off to shut her up. There are court documents that say his ex-wife said that he raped her. Are you unaware of this? How can you support a guy like that and you don't even know this? There are court documents. What are you talking about? The next question. <laughs> just going to ignore what, what I just said. Question. You're just going to ignore what I just I'm said. Ignore that. Okay, because it, yeah, it's true. You know because, because it's true I, and it makes listen, you look foolish. I am not, listen, listen here. I am not President Trump's spokesperson. I do not work in his office. You just said if the you court want to hear, understood. Uh, President Trump's opinion. Uh, Understood. Understood. But you just said it's the court of public opinion, and that's not true. His ex-wife, there are court documents claiming that he raped her. That's number one. Let's talk about uh, the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter sign compared to uh, the evil sign, which is a racist sign, of course. Uh, what, what would you say about NASCAR banning the Confederate flag and then Donald Trump attacking NASCAR? You defend that, too? All right. So, so here we go. So Black Lives Matter the organization, and then Black Lives Matter, the sentiment. I am a black guy. Sure. My life matters as much as anyone else's life matters. Of course. Now, Black Lives Matter, the organization... That's 10 people. We have learned... uh, uh, Black Lives Matter, the organization, and the the youthful idiots that followed them... Wait, 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 wait. A corrupt... Tens of millions of people marched across the country for equality. The overwhelming majority of those people had nothing to do with the organization. No, 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 no. No, let's be abundantly clear here, because I went uh, campaigning uh, and I went to Trump rallies and across the street where Black Lives Matter counter-protests. And as a candidate, I would cross the street to go talk to these Black Lives Matter counter-protests. And a black guy, about five inches shorter than me, came up to my face. I got my American flag and my Trump flag on there. I walk up to the other side of the road, and they come up to my face and tell me, you better get the F out of here, MF. Or I'm about okay, to so, that's out of you. so that's wrong. So that's wrong. But that's that's a few on. people. So, and that's... then I responded to him, and I'm like, wait a minute. So a black person is threatening to hurt another black guy at a Black Lives Matter counter protest. Please Errol, help me make that make Errol, sense. Errol, Errol, that's wrong. But that does not that does not uh, represent the tens of millions of good people that marched across the country. See, this is my problem with so many Republicans out there. Okay, I don't, well, let the, me give you another example. Okay, there. so wait let a second. So you have there. a few examples. No, that does, hold on. That doesn't you mean want every example. Let me show you an no, example. No, I, I really don't. Let because me show you an example. I don't need examples, uh, sir, because the overwhelming majority of the tens of millions of people that protested were not bad people. Let me ask you a question. When we talk about January 6th, I hear Republicans all the time saying the overwhelming majority of those people were good people. They weren't violent. Okay, you know what? I agree. There were 100,000 people out there, six or 700 criminals. It's the same thing. The same thing should be applied to Black Lives Matter. Tens of millions of people were protesting. The overwhelming majority of them were not hurting police officers, and they weren't bad people. Why can't Republicans admit that? Just because 10 or 12 people in the organization took advantage of it. Okay, um, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, 10 or 12 people was not burning down a, a police station in, in the overwhelming, um, So the overwhelming... Uh, Wisconsin, I'm they, sorry. Uh, oh, they were... 140 officers no, were these injured. these are of people. 100... No, these are months. 
Uh-huh. Bombs are burning down buildings. I made a video about it. And you think the overwhelming majority what? of people at the marches were burning down buildings? That's my exact point. You're painting a picture that ever, the overwhelming majority of Black Lives Matter protesters were burning down buildings. Sir, that's a lie, and you know that. I- I'll tell you uh, one thing. Sir, that- you know you are lying. Do you know why you're oh, so lying? You're saying- I had to watch these people burn down buildings these people. and loot buildings okay. in were you my there? own neighborhood. So, so that means the, the overwhelming majority of the tens of millions of people that protested at Black Lives Matter protests were committing crimes and burning down buildings. Is that what you're trying to say, sir? Because that's ridiculous. You know what they did do? They enabled. Those Black Lives Matter protests enabled future criminality all across the country. You mean to tell me that the tens of millions of people that protest in a Black Lives Matter, you truly believe the majority of them were committing crimes? That's not true. That's not true, sir. No, I said the majority of them were enabling by wanting equality by peacefully protesting by by peacefully protesting and wanting equality you think that's enabling crime peacefully protesting yes there were throughout the country all the cars being burned don't tell me it was peaceful just because some cars were being burned doesn't mean that all the protesters of the tens of millions of them the majority of them were burning down buildings and committing crimes you know that why can't you admit that guess what i'm well i'm sorry you weren't in la when they were robbing stores on beverly drive and cannon drive Okay, so how many people, so how many people, how many, Main Street in front of the police station. So how many people were doing that, sir? In in Mid-City, in Beverly Sure, and nobody, because I saw it. Sure, were you there on January 6th in Washington when they were trying to bulge eyes out of police officers beating them with baseball bats? Because on your social media page, I never hear you talking about that, about the terrorists. People died that day. 140, 140 officers were injured and had to go to the hospital. People died because Donald Trump said they won the election in a landscape. Slide. And if he didn't say that for months, January 6th never happens. But I um, never hear you talking about that. The 2020 uh, okay. election was stolen. All right. All right. That, listen, uh, that's where. <laughs> well, I mean, you could laugh, but I don't think attacking our democracy with no evidence is funny. I think it's actually, quite frankly, pathetic, th- um, sir, that you would say actually, that. I personally have evidence your, of it. Really? Oh, really? What, so you I have just like. Have evidence just of like it. Mike Lindell. You know what, why? Because I, had, because I actually took the time to go to the L.A. County Registrar's office uh-huh. multiple days uh-huh. and audit the signature gathering that happened. So what? Uh, audit the signature so what? verification that happened. So what? That and doesn't mean the election was stolen. We ended up having to cure 600 ballots in L.A. So, County. So because you, you had to... So hold on a second. Uh, because of that... Hold, hold on. You're telling me, Errol, that because you had to do whatever with 600 ballots, that that means there was widespread voter fraud and the election was stolen? Come on, that's this is embarrassing. Uh, 600 ballots in one congressional district. Okay, what's your evidence that... There, where is your evidence? District. Why is it that Donald Trump's attorneys were 1 in 61 in the courts? And why is it that to this day nobody has do showed... Do you know who the lawyers were that were challenging so now, these 600 ballots? Uh, who? I, it was Harley Dillon, okay. one of the two RNC National Committee women. Where is your uh, evidence? Uh, National Committee where is your, of, the, of California. Where, where is your where is your where is your evidence, <laughs> sir? Where is your evidence that there was widespread voter fraud that could have turned the outcome of the election to Donald Trump? Where's your evidence? Six hundred balance is not evidence. Um, where's your evidence? Tell me. I'm sorry. What? Where is your no, evidence? Rewind. You said, what is, not, where you said is your, what is not evidence? Where is your evidence that there was widespread voter fraud that could have turned the outcome of the election? 600 ballots is not widespread voter fraud. You need something that would have changed well, the outcome of an what? election. 
There was no chance that Donald Trump was going to win California, and you know that. Do you know how many congressional districts are in California? There was no chance that Trump was going to win California, and you know that. Do you know how many congressional districts are in California? Okay, so in how many congressional districts was there widespread voter fraud? Where's your evidence? All you gave me was 600 ballots. No, because here's the thing, because you're belittling the number 600. Yes, I am. But you're ignoring the fact that that 600 was gleaned from one of 53 congressional okay, districts. Okay, so let's just say that that one district won okay. for Donald Trump. Let's give you that, even though I don't believe that to be true. But you know what? For argument's sake, I'll give you that. Let's just say Trump won that district. He still doesn't win California. Show me evidence that there was widespread voter fraud to overturn the election. I'm now asking you for an eighth time, and all you've oh, given do you me... Want, okay, do you want me to... Sh- okay, let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's go. Well, we all are right, going so. down the rabbit hole when you say Trump won the election. It's a stupid rabbit hole, but go ahead. Yeah, Trump won the election. Go ahead, I'm waiting. Show me evidence. I'm waiting. uh, And Biden was installed. Show me the evidence that there was widespread voter fraud for the ninth time. I'm waiting. Where's your evidence? So in in California, Uh uh, back in 2018, Uh I'm starting with 2018 as context. Okay. Back in 2018, they started with ballot harvesting. And ballot harvesting was made legal in California, which allowed for any schmo to go to anyone's house and collect a ballot for, uh, from them and deliver it to the, their respective registrar and voters' office. Now, it creates a chain of custody problem that has since been exacerbated with mass mail-in voting uh, that, has been, that has now been made law in California. Mass mail-in voting started with the 2020 election, where irrespective of whether you want to vote by mail or vote in person— you were sent a ballot in the mail. The yeah. problem is, the problem is that uh, we have people on our voter rolls. Like I'll, I'll give you Orange County, California, for an example, because I know the numbers off the top of my head. In Orange County, California, there are roughly two hundred and eight thousand people on our voter rolls with no place of birth. There are currently two hundred and forty-eight thousand people on our voter rolls who are illegal aliens. Okay. It does not help that we have a, a motor voter in California, which has been, uh, through an audit in 2018... Was so how do you assume that all these... I'm just curious. Motor voter I'm just curious. How, I'm just curious. Are, are Democrats the only people that can cheat, or are these people 100% all voting for Joe Biden? I would wonder how you would know that, sir. Can Are Republicans not capable of cheating, or is it just, just Democrats? It's just Democrats that cheat. And let me ask you another question. In 2016, when... No, Don- no, 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 no. You wanted evidence, so I'm going to load... I'm You're, gonna not, load giving evidence. Evidence. You're not giving me evidence. You're not giving me evidence. Evidence is showing we, me that fraud have... occurred. You're not giving me any evidence. You're just telling me, well, there's illegals here that did this. You're not telling me that's 100% showing me evidence that they voted for Joe Biden. You're not showing me any evidence. Just because you're telling me that there's ballot harvesting here and you're making claims, there has to be evidence to back up your claims. You're not giving me any evidence. But here's evidence for you. I have well, evidence. Um, you ready for this? Well, if you took a breath, if you, if you took a breath, Okay, I'll take a breath, and then I'm going to give you my evidence. You ready? In 2016, before the election, 
Donald Trump for months mm-hmm. said that the election was rigged. It was fixed. It was rigged. Then he beat Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton conceded to him that night. For the next three years, Donald Trump not once in his presidency mentioned anything that you're talking about. He didn't mention anything about voter irregularities. He didn't mention anything about people cheating. Why? Because in 2016, he won. That's why. So my question to you is, why is it that Trump talks about how elections are rigged back in 2016, and then he wins, and for the next three years, you don't hear anything about election integrity from Donald Trump, or really any of the main Republicans in office. Can you explain to me why that is, sir? Because I know the answer. Oh, I'll give you a great example of why. Um, I, as well as many other people who are Republican, were shocked at the 2018 results where we expected a red wave I, and I didn't we ask didn't you. see that's, as much That's of a not red what wave. I asked you. I'm asking Hello? you. That's not what I asked you there. You're not answering my question. I said, why is it that Trump didn't mention anything for three years after he won in 2016? But before the election, he was talking about how the elections are rigged. Then he wins in 2016. Well, well you know, I like to add context before I add detail. Um, so in adding context, I mentioned that um, in 2018, Republicans expected a red wave considering all of the advances that we made in the first two years of the Trump presidency. But we ended up having a lot of seats in California mysteriously switch to blue. And it wasn't in uh, a reliably blue district. It was a bright red district flipping blue. And we're like, wait a minute. And this wasn't just happening in California. It was happening in other states okay, as but well. You're, but you're talking like, about 2018. I'm sorry to interrupt. On. I don't mean to be rude, but I, I'm going to ask you this question again. 2016, mm-hmm. for the next two years, Donald Trump didn't mention anything about elections being rigged or election integrity. He did before the 2016 election, and then he won. And then for the next couple of years, he was silent. My question to you is, you know, why? Because he spent 2017 talking about the tax plan. That's I ridic- remember that that's, Come on, Errol. Come on now. Come on. That, that's ridiculous. I'll tell you why. Because he won. And because he was preparing people in case he lost, he couldn't lose. The Democrats must have cheated. But then he won. And Hillary Clinton conceded. And all he cares about is himself. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you have a surplus of Republican voter registration, I'm just using California as an example, you know, since I live in California. Correct. Um, yes. If in Orange County you have a surplus of Republican voters in Orange County— and you have fairly strong uh, voter turnout for the primary and general election in 2018, and then you have this weird influx of votes that come in for Democrats in what is supposed to be a reliably red district, like at the time, Mm -hmm. California's 48th Congressional District, wouldn't it send off some kind of warning bell? If not one, not two, but four districts in Here's what I would say to that. Here's what I would say to that. You have a bunch of Republican Donald Trump appointed judges that said there was no election fraud or widespread voter fraud. His own attorney general said no widespread voter fraud. Republican, by the way, I'm talking about Bill Barr. Our FBI said it was the most free and secure election that we've ever had. I'm going to take their and by you the way, know we can't trust the yeah. FBI. OK, so let's not trust the FBI, but let's trust Donald Trump. That makes a lot of sense, sir. Uh, listen, in closing, I'll um, say this. You know, considering what 
considering the FBI's behavior over Cons- the past considering two years, Donald Trump's behavior his entire that. life yes. considering Donald Trump's behavior his entire life he's lived a miserable life kids with three different wives given a, a half a billion dollar company every oh, all, oh, the, oh, oh. all the lawsuits all the lawsuits <laughs> and, and and what he's done to black people his entire life telling Playboy magazine well, here's, here's telling the problem. Play, telling the problem play, is yeah. you can't get out of your feelings no, no, I can't get out of, can't get out of you can't you can't you can't realize actual real facts. And here's the facts. Joe Biden's our president. No, it's just that I can separate my feelings and put it in a mason jar and set it aside for a second. Wrong. And I'm deal talk- with the issue. Wrong. I'm, I'm not getting to emotional arguments about somebody's kids. It's not emotional. And this is their this is a, Excuse me. I'm not talking about families. Joe Biden is the president of the United States. He won a free and fair election. No, Joe so- Biden is installed. Uh, Joe Biden is what does that mean? What do you mean he's installed? Okay, so okay, well, I will because he's my president. He's Joe Biden. He's the president of the United States. He's the guy in the White House. Donald Trump ain't there. And number two, why would you run for office if you have no uh, you have no faith in our democracy, sir? Why would you run for office if you think there's all this fraud and Donald Trump won? Then why are you running, sir? Then it's because part of love of country is that when you recognize where something is wrong, you don't shun the country. Love you of, don't shun love uh, of country the, is the, not the system. Instead, in, hold on, you don't leave the system to the wayside. You don't retreat and fly away and disappear and go off to another country. You don't escape the problem. What you do is you, if you are a person who within your brain, within your mind, within your function, you thought yes. of solutions that could make things better, it is your civic duty to step up to the plate and work to represent. Well, the here's people, where I respectfully so that you can go into office and vote for the things here's that you I, believe here's will I, help to improve the United understood. States. Understood. That's Sir, part of love of country. Okay, let me let me loving the country is all about okay. recognizing that yes, there are flaws. But that's the beautiful thing about being a citizen. You can go in and make a change. Okay, so here's my definition of love of country that's very different than yours, with all due respect. My definition of love of country is not spreading conspiracy theories and attacking our democracy. My my definition of love of country is not believing an orange turd who is a despicable human being who lies and all he cares about is himself. That's not emotion. That's fact. Joe Biden won a free and fair election. You could tell me about 600 ballots in California, but you still have yet to give me any widespread voter fraud that could have overturned the outcome of the election. Love of country is not believing conspiracy theories. Love of country is not standing up in the middle of the State of the Union address when talking about dead soldiers. And by the way, at that time, Joe Biden was talking about his dead son who died of cancer, who served this country honorably. It's not love of country when you interrupt the State of the Union and be despicable and behave despicable. It's not love of country when you decide to fire and attack women based on looks and go after every single person that calls out your BS. That's the opposite of love of country. I got a question real quick. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, I got a question real quick. I don't recall specifically uh, the moment around Joe Biden talking about uh, the military session and Lauren Boebert um, interjected. What did Joe Biden say at that time? Joe Biden, Joe Biden was talking about uh, coffins of our brave men and women in uniform. He was talking about the breathing difficulties that they have, and that's why they passed that bill last week. And then literally a second and a half, maybe two seconds, after Lauren Mm -hmm. uh, Lauren Boebert opened up her fat trap, he talked about his son, Bo. No, 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 uh, uh, do not not disrespect Lauren Boebert like that. She is my friend. Do not disrespect Lauren Boebert. She's a disgusting human being. Do not disrespect Lauren Boebert like that. Excuse me. Quite frankly, sir. The fact that you call Lauren Boebert a friend says a lot about your character, quite frankly, sir, that you would support a woman like that who is trash. She is trailer trash as far as I am concerned. She is not trash. 
Really? She is not trash. Are, are you friends with her husband, too, who exposed his genitalia in front of kids? I've actually never met her husband. Oh, well, I've okay, never met her okay. husband. So you're friends with a woman who makes racist tropes about women in Congress. That's somebody who you decide to be friends with? Yes, I'm talking about Ilhan Omar, who, by the way, I'm not even a friend of. I don't even like Ilhan Omar. But making a racist trope about her possibly being a suicide bomber with a backpack. This is someone you associate with who is a, a drunk who crashed her car? Lauren Boebert say that? Because I don't recall her saying uh, It's that. very interesting that you don't recall all the statements of some of these Republicans out there. She said it several months back at a fundraising no, event, and there's the audio thing. of it. Here's the thing. I spend a lot of time combing through news. I am not omniscient. OAN, I can't see OAN, and know everything. OAN, Newsmax, so, and Fox News is not news. Tucker Carlson is not news. Lauren Boebert is trash, sir. Now, listen, I, res- I respect you for coming on the show. Hold on, hold on. She's trash. So you're saying One American News is not news? <laughs> I'm saying One American News is a biased right-wing network. I was a reporter for 10 years. And, and I can CNN tell- is a biased left-wing network. Okay, so and you- MSNBC okay. goes further to the left. So you want to compare people like Jake Tapper and people on cnn to oan all right well i guess i guess we're gonna have to leave it there listen mr weber i do appreciate you coming on you're welcome on this show anytime you're if you're in las vegas have a spirited debate i respect you for coming on this show even though we disagree on a lot it's been a spirited debate and well, and, I, and here's I do the other thing i should let you know yes sir i thoroughly enjoyed this thank you <laughs> so did i <laughs> listen, sure you did I, as well. <laughs> I like the fact that we can get into a good spirited debate and we can still at the end uh, laugh about it a little bit and, and i think i i, I respect Respect that, sir. I really do, and and I and I mean that. By the way, the forum is open. If you want to come on this show uh-huh. again, I will gladly have you on, and uh, I appreciate hey, the conversation. You know, I'll jump back on again. All right, good. I appreciate I'll that, sir. Fa- I'll bring the same energy. <laughs> do me, do me, a, do me a favor. Bring a uh, white trash Lauren Bobert with you. Okay, that was uh, that was that was a joke. No, anyway, um, okay. <laughs> not if you call her white trash. No, I won't. Um, yeah, well, she would not never if you call her white trash. Because she is. She's she's an embarrassment to white people across the country. That's why. That's why I call her that. No, she is a real fighter for America. (laughs) Okay. She is a real patriot for America. I'm glad she got her GED. She's very educated. But anyway, Mr. Weber, you're far more educated than her, but that's okay. And that's what you call an ad hominem attack. Like, seriously? Was that necessary? Uh, Yeah, 100%, because I I wouldn't interrupt the uh, president of the United States during a State of the Union address for political points. But anyway, that's another show for another day. We'll continue the conversation another time. <laughs> Mr. Weber, I do I do appreciate you coming on, sir. Thank you very much. All right, you have a good day. All right, <laughs> thanks for having me. You too. Wow, that was an interesting interview. I have to say, I like the fact that at least uh, you know we were able to laugh a little bit at the end. I do like that about him, and that's why I'm giving him the opportunity to come back on. Yeah, I think Lauren Bobert is trash. She's trailer trash. The fact that this man calls her a friend is is um, disappointing. By the way, that is true. Her husband did uh, expose himself to kids. And then Lauren Boebert decided to marry him. Uh, Lauren Boebert got her GED after deciding to run for office. Uh, listen, I can go on and on on Lauren Boebert. But quite frankly, I'm, uh, I'm, a, little, I'm a little mentally tired after that interview. I can't even uh, – I'll take a few quick phone calls here. 702-221-7283. Again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 702 702- Two two one seven two eight three. Why don't we start off the conversation uh, with Al? I'll take a few quick phone calls here. Let's start off with Al. Al, you're first up on pushing the limits. What's going on, Al? Hey, Brian. How you doing, buddy? Glad to hear you. That Thank was you. a very interesting interview. You were very nice to the guy. You should have cut him off a long time ago. I'm glad you were laughing. But anyways, this is what I wanted to say about that Lauren Brobert. First of all, she's in the same category of that Julian Anders 
Anderson, Anderson, whatever, how you pronounce his last name. He's got such a weird last name. People who don't respect our Constitution. I'm a conservative, but that's not how you show your conservatism. That's a disrespect to our Constitution. Interrupting the president, even though you don't agree with him, is not the way to show your patriotism. I agree. That's what I wanted to see. I agree. You know? I agree with you. We, we can all we can disagree when it comes to uh, political discussion, and I disagree with just about everything this man stands for when it comes to policy. But the fact that he calls Lauren Boebert her, uh, his friend and that he defends her into in, in, uh, interrupting him uh, and then says that listen, it's a right wing playbook of extremism. Uh, Donald Trump won the election in a landslide. It's- we need more Lauren Boeberts out there. I mean, and he says he's got these six hundred ballots that were the, as if that would overturn the outcome of the election. It's, yeah. it's absurd. Al, I do appreciate your yeah. call, my friend. I'm no, up Brian, let me. Can yeah. I just say one quick, thing really quick? Quickly, quick, go, go ahead. Yes, sir. Very, one day I want to call in and tell you about the election, how it, how it, the difference between stolen, how it was not really stolen. Maybe it was rigged. Maybe they caught us with our pants down. But I want to set the record straight on that. All right. And I'm a next, next time we'll do that, Al. My head's spinning right All now, right. so I don't know if I can. If I'm capable of, of of having another conversation like that. But anyway, I appreciate your call. Al. I would take some more phone calls, but I got to go to break right now because we got a Hall of Fame coach joining me next. His name is Lon Kruger, former coach at UNLV, and uh, we got some college basketball to talk about after that one. And quite frankly, I need about a two or a three minute break. So we'll take one. We'll be back right after this with Hall of Fame coach Lon Kruger. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back, Pushing the Limits. Yours truly, Brian Shapiro. That was a very fiery interview I just did. Uh, if you missed it, I'll be posting that on my social media very, very soon. You know, I love the fact that in Las Vegas we have all these college basketball tournaments. I went to the West Coast Conference Final yesterday. I went to the Big West Tournament yesterday at the brand-new Dollar Loan Center Arena. It's beautiful. I'm going to check out the Mountain West Conference Tournament today. And, yes, uh, we had Kevin Kruger on the line yesterday. They're playing Wyoming in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference Tournament. How nice is it not to be in the plan? I think Kevin's done a – well, I don't think I know. Kevin's done a wonderful job this year uh, with uh, his staff and, and these kids that play hard every night. And the guy joining us on the line, he knows a little bit about what it takes to get his kids to play hard. He's a Hall of Fame coach as far as I'm concerned. Uh, did a great job here at UNLV and pretty much has won everywhere he's been. Uh, the great Lon Kruger, Coach Kruger, joining us right now. On the line, Lon. I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Doing great. Always uh, good to be talking with you. Thanks, Lon. I appreciate that. And I guess my first question to you is: I would imagine you must be very proud of what your son has been able to accomplish at UNLV this year. Uh, fifth seed. They're competing for a Mountain West Conference title. They have some huge wins. And what I say, Lon, is it just so similar to your teams is that his kids play so hard, right? Uh, even in the losses they've had this year, it's not uh, because of a lack of effort, right? And I think that's so impressive. Yeah, it's been fun to watch uh, their group grow uh, individually and, and as a group. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, it was great to see the fans coming out. Uh, the crowds are building back, and uh, and uh, they, they I think appreciate how hard these guys are playing. And uh, when you watch them play, they obviously uh, you know you know play for each other and and together. And uh, like you say, defensively they've done a good job, and, uh, and they've gotten better. So uh, hopefully they'll win a few more ball games this year. But uh, in the bigger scheme, they've got a really good starting point from a fan base and everything else going forward into next year. 
Yeah, I, I certainly agree with you, Lana. And pr- I think the the crowds really started to show up when uh, you know they, your your son was able to get a W on the road against Colorado State. I believe at the time they were the best team in the conference. Uh, the Nevada game at home was really uh, a lot of people there for that. And then you know it's it's amazing, Lana, isn't it? How winning brings the fans in, right? I mean, it, it's really uh, that's what Kevin has been able to do. Uh, how nervous are you going to be tomorrow in the Mountain West Conference game when Kevin and his crew take on Wyoming? I would imagine you're not on the sidelines. You've told me on the air. That it's a little bit more nerve wracking for you just to watch as a as a fan and as a father rather than as the basketball coach, right? It really is. Uh, you know, easier to, to be playing, of course. If you're not playing, uh, coaching is easier than sitting in the stands. So if you're sitting in the stands as a fan, is what we're doing now. Uh, it is a little bit nerve wracking, but it's been good. Again, it's just fun to watch these guys get better. Uh, Wyoming's a really good team. They beat them a week ago in uh, Thomas and Mac. So. Uh, their hands will be full, and uh, yet uh, I think the, their guys know uh, the challenge that lies ahead, and hopefully we'll get a good uh, good base of Rebels in there and uh, have a good home court advantage. Coach, you, you've had the opportunity to uh, coach some, some great players over the years recently, of course, Trey Young. Uh, when you look at Bryce Hamilton, we had a conversation earlier this year, first couple weeks of the season, I said, you know, it looks like Bryce is kind of forcing things a little bit. I feel like the last six or seven weeks, it's the opposite. He's, he's let the game come to him. He's helped the team. He's helped himself. Uh, I, do, do you agree with me that I think Bryce, over the course of this year, uh, has, has improved dramatically and just not forcing the issue? 100% agree. Uh, you know, Bryce has improved so much as a player. He's always scored, but he's making good basketball plays. Uh, he's making plays for others. Uh, you know, his efficiency has gone way up. And uh, no question that uh, because of Bryce's maturity and, and, and progress, you know, their team's played better. And uh, other guys have, have played uh, you know, well on different nights, but still Bryce has been the cornerstone and, uh, and he's uh, got the ability to score, but he's also made good plays for others, too. Mm-hmm. What did you see at the beginning of the year, and did you think that Kevin would be as successful as he has? And you know, obviously, at a point now, we're you know competing for a Mountain West Conference title. At the beginning of the year, did you see it this way, and did you think Kevin would be able to do this? You, you never know how quickly uh, things are going to come along. When you uh, the first year program, you've got nine new guys, uh, most of which are transfers. They were pretty inconsistent, didn't shoot the ball as well as they have lately. Uh, but Kevin's uh, you know, he's been around a lot. He's very secure as a, as a person, uh, uh, really liked uh, his composure throughout the year. I think mm-hmm. he's, uh, his players clearly have responded to him, yeah. and yet he's been uh, pretty consistent with his uh, you know, sideline demeanor. And, and uh, obviously he's very competitive, but uh, doesn't necessarily wear that on his sleeve. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think players respond to that. He's got them playing with confidence and and any time uh, a team is doing that, especially with a scorer like Bryce, yeah. you know, he's got a chance every night out. Yeah, no question. How weird is it for you, Lon, we're in March right now and not having to worry about going to practice or coaching a basketball team? How, is it kind of nice for you? Is it strange for you that we're approaching March? You don't have to worry about seedings or the NCAA tournament? How is that like for you? Definitely strange. Uh, no doubt about that. We've been doing that for 45 years, so... Well, that was long enough. We know now we're enjoying the grandkids and uh, enjoy watching the Rebels and following the Sooners and watching Kansas uh, coaching friends. Lon, did we lose you Holden. there? There you go. And Wayne Tinkle. Wayne Tinkle. So we're going to go catch Dana's uh, group this afternoon. And, uh, and, but it's been great. It's been great. And, again, uh, you, know, uh, it, it's, you know, this time of year is a grind, you know, and, uh, you know, guys are – 
playing hard and uh, you know some of them know they're on the bubble and they needed one more and and uh, anyone who's been in that situation knows uh, yeah. how difficult it is. Absolutely. Well, Lana, I do appreciate you taking some time to join us. Your son has done a fantastic job. I can't say I'm surprised because if he's anything like you, which he is, uh, he's going to have success here, and he already has had a taste of success. Hopefully they get the W tomorrow, Lon. Always appreciate it when you take the time to join us. Uh, you got a, a wonderful family, and glad you moved back to Las Vegas. And uh, we'll talk soon, okay, my friend? Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's uh, Lon Kruger. Former head coach at UNLV and, of course, a storied career as a coach. I mean, I can't say enough nice things about Lon Kruger and his family and Kevin. Quite frankly, I remember uh, the Sweet 16 year I was covering UNLV. That wasn't that long ago. It it feels like it was a really long time. It wasn't that long ago. When Lon Kruger's team made it to the Sweet 16, Kevin transferred over here and he played here his senior year. And what a great team that was. I mean, you had Joel Anthony, right? You had Joe Darger. I remember Joe Darger. uh, Curtis Terry. I believe Wink Adams was a freshman on that team. That was a really fun team to watch. They were well coached, good kids. And it's a testament to Lon Kruger as well. I mean, he's just a Hall of Fame coach. And, uh, you know, I said uh, Jim Livingood made a, a, the biggest mistake of his career here at UNLV is not paying Lon Kruger and keeping him here. And the, and the program certainly suffered for it. But I think they're in good hands right now with Kevin. I really do. By the way, that game tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, is 2.30, where UNLV plays the Wyoming Cowboys in the quarterfinals of the Mountain West Conference. If you're wondering earlier today, unfortunately, Nevada and Steve Alford did win their playing game against New Mexico. Uh, so they'll be playing tomorrow. But uh, Nevada will. But uh, the Mountain West Conference has already started with those playing games. And, yeah, if, you, uh, if, you're a, if you're a UNLV fan, you understand that the last several years hasn't been a lot of fun. You know, we've had to play in these playing games in the Mountain West Conference tournament. And UNLV basketball should never be uh, in that same sentence in a playing game in the postseason Mountain West Conference tournament. I've been pretty honest with my opinions with UNLV over the years. And because of that, you know tarnished a few relationships which i really don't care because i'm always honest on the air and i give people credit when they deserve credit and i not going to use the term attack but criticize i criticize people when i believe they deserve to be criticized you know and that's uh that's how i feel all right so we're going to switch topics now we're going to talk a little lakers basketball um so this is a story that i wanted to uh, touch upon and and we're running out of time here so i want to get to it russell westbrook's had a horrible year the Lakers have had a horrible year. They suck. LeBron James takes should take a big part of responsibility in bringing Russell Westbrook in. So there's a nickname for Russell Westbrook these days, and it's these days, and it's called West Brick. And the reason why a brick meaning you know you're you're missing shots. Westbrook or West Brick has not shot the ball very well. So now Russell is upset and angry that fans are calling him. Westbrook, he feels disrespected. I want you to listen to this press conference he had, and I'm going to comment on it as we go because it is so absurd. The wussification of the Lakers. You know, we had Trevor Ariza getting into it with fans the other day. LeBron James getting into it with Laker fans. And now Russell Westbrook or Westbrick is complaining about people calling him that name. Have a listen to this. Um, Russ, just off the court... um... Your your wife had a social media uh, thread today that I think gave some open kind of a window to some of the extreme things that have happened to your family this season. Um, people kind of talking. Career, you mean? Well, <laughs> it seemed like it was about this season, but I was wondering if there was anything you could speak to that. Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, for one, 
you know, I, I 100% stand behind my wife and how she's feeling because um, it's not just about this year. Um, right now, she's reached a point, um, and my family has reached a point to where it's really weighing on them, um, and it's very unfortunate uh, just for me personally because um, this is just a game. This is just a game. This is not. All right, hold on a second. Hold, hold on a second. It's weighing on your family? You make like $30 million a year. You're telling me it's weighing on your family psychologically because there's some fans at Laker games or otherwise that are calling you Westbrook? Are you effing kidding me? You're a professional basketball player. I don't think fans should be allowed to swear or threats or talk about your family. That's over the line. But if somebody calls you Westbrook, I have absolutely no problem with it. And you're going to tell me that you and your family are so sensitive that if somebody calls you Westbrook because you can't make a shot this year, that it's affecting my family. Give me a break. Go ahead. Roll it. This is just a game. This is not end-all, be-all. And um, when it comes to basketball, I don't mind the criticism of missing and making shots. But that is criticism. the moment it becomes <laughs> where you sh- – you know, my name is getting shamed. Oh, um, it becomes a, a, a issue. Um, I've kind of let it go in the past, you know, just because it never really bothered me. But um, it really kind of hit me the other day. Honestly, I was uh, me and my wife was at um teacher parent conference for my son. <clears throat> um, and the teacher told me, she's like, uh, Noah, he's so proud of his last name. He writes it everywhere. He writes it. On everything, he he tells everybody, walks around and says, "I'm Westbrook, Westbrook." That's his last name. And it kind of, I kind of sat there in shock, and it hit me like, "Damn, like I can no longer allow people, um, you know, for example, Westbrook to me is now <laughs> shaming, like it's shaming my all right, name." Stop it for a second. First of all, here's what I would say to your son: They call me Westbrook. Because when you put up a basketball shot that misses, some people call it a brick. Your daddy hasn't shot the ball very well, so they're making fun of him. That's part of being a professional athlete. You have to deal with criticism. You persevere, and you try to get better. That's what an intelligent father would say, not a sensitive father who's making $30 million a year who can't take a little bit of criticism. Oh, my God, they called me Westbrook. Go ahead. Me now shaming like it's shaming my name no it's, it's not my legacy for my kids no it's um, not it's a name that means more not just to me but to my wife to my mom my dad are oh, uh, the ones um that kind of paved the way for <laughs> me and and that's just one example i mean that kind of <laughs> hit myself and my wife in a, in yeah. a place where make a jump um, shot then it's Anyone? not great man and and no you know, it's I not you're not shooting the ball great a lot of it, a lot of times you know i let it slide but it's now <laughs> Time to put a stop to. All right, to hold that on. And put it what on does notice. that mean? I, I let it slide, but now I'm going to put a stop to it. Oh, really? What are you going to do? You going to show up to the to the Lakers game with duct tape and put duct tape over the fans' mouths? You're not going to stop anything. In fact, you're so stupid, you just made it worse for yourself because now you're telling people how much you can't stand it when they call you Westbrook. Imagine what it's going to be on the road. There's going to be Westbrook jerseys. They're going to chant Westbrook. Remember the chant that Kyrie Irving had the other day? Kyrie sucks. You're going to hear Westbrook sucks. Um, Imagine the next game you go one for 20 from the field, which will probably be the next game. You don't think you're going to hear it? 
you're going to stop it. What is Westbrook going to do to stop this? I wonder what he thinks he can do to stop a, a fan, Lakers fan or otherwise, spending good money going into arena, not swearing at him, not threatening him, calling him Westbrook, Westbrick. I wonder what Russell Westbrook, Westbrick, is going to do to stop it. What the hell is he talking about? Why don't we stop your paychecks? Why don't we stop that? What is he talking about? Does he not understand it's the right of a fan who goes to a game to call you Mr. Brickhouse or Westbrick? He's making it like they're they're legally changing his name to Westbrook. They're not. By the way, I want to buy a shirt. I'm looking at a shirt right now online that you can buy. It's got a bunch of pictures of bricks on his shirt. I would wear that to the arena. Quite frankly, I would wear it to the arena. Go ahead. Go ahead with this. Keep playing it. You know, I let it slide, but it's now time to put a stop to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to put a stop to it, all right. Like, yeah. There's a difference. <laughs> and I, we need to make sure that it's understood. And every time I do hear it now, I will make sure that I address it. And, oh, yeah. Uh, That'll sure stop that it. that in the butt. Yeah. What a wussy. Just follow up to that. You said, you know, your, your whole career you've been dealing with some degree of that. But yeah. has it been enhanced? this year or is it, is it you know it's that? it's it's very unfortunate like it's, it's been like this for my entire career um i've been blessed man and, and super thankful it's for, like that stop it um, again it's like that for everybody's career michael jordan had to deal with this when he had a slump larry bird had to deal with this especially on the road now you're you're not special every professional athlete at one point or another in their career has to deal with fans calling you names Westbrick is the least of some of these worst names that I've heard out there. I mean, what is this guy talking? He makes it like he's the only person that gets hazed. Maybe if you made a jump shot now and then, maybe the fans wouldn't be doing that. Mr. $30 million a year man, go ahead. The ones around me and the ones that support me, but um, it's really um, the the shaming of my name, the shaming of (laughs) my character, the shaming of who I am as a person. Um, is to me is not warranted. Um, I haven't done anything to anybody. I haven't hurt anyone. I, uh, I, I stop, stop it, stop it. Uh, you have. You've hurt the Laker organization with your lack of performance. You've hurt their bottom line. A lot of Laker fans out there that are very passionate that want their team to win, you're hurting them, not physically, but you're hurting people financially. And you're hurting your team when it comes to wins and losses. So don't you give me this nonsense that, uh, by the way, they're not hurting you physically either. Anybody that says Westbrook, oh, I'm sorry, did they hurt your feelings? That's why you're co- supposed to be called a professional. A professional athlete deals with fans. A professional athlete is supposed to deal with adversity. This is somebody calling you a name. How do you expect your son to grow up when people call him names in school? What do you expect him to do when his father, who's a professional athlete, performs? in front of millions of people that watch on TV can't take the fact that some fans are calling you Westbrook. It's ridiculous. Done anything to anybody. I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't done anything but play basketball a way that people may not like. Um, <laughs> Who likes it when you go one for 20 from the game. field? This is just a game. This is not my entire life. Uh, yeah, and, and this um, isn't and your I life. That is the, the ultimate thing that's been for me. And <laughs> I don't like to harp on. I kind of just kind of wanting out the other. But once it starts to affect my my family, my wife, um, even today, my mom says something about it today, and it affects them even going to games. Like my, then don't go. I don't even want to bring my kids to the game. Then because don't. I don't want them to hear people calling their dad <laughs> nicknames and out of their names for no reason because he's playing the game that he loves, and it, it's it's gotten so bad where 
you know, my family don't even want to go to home games, to any game, because of, um, you know, uh, not just the media across the globe use their platforms to constantly shame, shame, shame me. Um, and, you know, it's just super unfortunate, man. I'm, you know, and it's super upsetting to me, and I'm, you know, I'm at a point, you know, to where uh, I'm going to continue to address it. It's just uh, unfortunate. Yeah, continue to address it. That's really smart because I'm sure the fans will just stop. By the way, I saw a funny meme, a funny joke that said, uh, if you want Donald Trump to build a wall, just call Russell Westbrook. He'll build it for you with all these bricks. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell Westbrook, or West Brick, is making it sound like somebody threatened the life of his family. By the way, you know why it's affecting Russell Westbrook's family, allegedly? Because it's affecting him. Because it's allowing it to affect him. If he looked at his wife or his kids, if he looked at his mother, and he just said, listen, fans are going to be fans, it's no big deal, don't worry about it, then it wouldn't affect his family. It's affecting him, and in turn, it affects his family. In turn, it makes me believe now that Russell Westbrook is a head case. That's what it makes me believe. You're telling me now that fans are automatically just going to stop now? Fans are just going to stop calling him Westbrook? I mean, is that is that what I'm supposed to... And how is he going to stop this from happening, by the way? How is Russell Westbrook... Westbrook I'm just going to call him Westbrook from now on. I don't really care. How does he think he's going to stop this? What, are there going to be signs in, in, in the arenas that say... Don't use Russell Westbrook as a nickname or we will throw you out of the arena. Of course, that's not going to happen. And you know, I'm really disappointed in Magic Johnson, one of the best basketball players of all time, because I understand he wants to support you know, uh, the Laker players. But now he's saying, quote, Laker Nation, it's our responsibility to come together and support him and his family. Magic Johnson's talking like somebody in his family just died in a car accident or something, or that we just had a Kobe Bryant situation all over again. Support him and his family. He is supported with the tens of millions of dollars that you pay his family, not Magic personally, but that you pay him on a contract. He is supported. And by the way, it's not the, uh, the right of a Laker fan or a sports fan to always have a player's back. You can criticize players, just like you can criticize politicians. Just because I voted for Joe Biden doesn't mean I'm going to always have his back. Doesn't mean if you voted for Donald Trump, you're always going to have his back. It's ridiculous. Makes no sense here. It's just, it's it's insane. Westbrook says, me and my wife were at a teacher parent conference for my son following a game. Uh, and Noah said he's proud of the last name. Okay, well, your son should be proud of the last name. Just because a couple fans that are disappointed in your performance, which, by the way, everybody is disappointed in your performance, decide to voice that without vulgarities, without swears, without threats. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes sports great, is that as a fan, you can go to a game and you can boo. To me, this is just like booing. You call them Westbrook, it's just like booing. To me, there's absolutely no difference. It's not like these fans can legally change his name to Westbrook. Fans can go to a game and call him Westbrook and try to get in his head. If he thinks this is bad, try to go back to the 80s or the 70s and what people shouted to African Americans, which was awful, and it was wrong, and I don't condone it. This is nothing to what some of these athletes had to endure 10, 20, 30 years ago. And Russell Westbrook is completely ignorant to that. Imagine what, you know, Bill Russell, who I'm not a huge fan of, he's a great player, but, you know, the stuff that Bill Russell had to go through in Boston, calling him the N-word, left and right, that happened. Then, Russell Westbrook, you would have a point, and it would need to stop. 
oh my God, you wonder why the Lakers are losing basketball games when you got these oversensitive, whiny little B-words. Got LeBron getting into it with fans. You got Trevor Ariza calling fans names. You got Russell Westbrook saying, oh God, he looked like he was going to cry up there. Oh, you know, don't disrespect my last name. They called me Westbrook. Why don't you try making a 10-foot jump shot? Maybe that wouldn't happen. You're making $30 million a year. Why don't you Why don't you make two shots in a row? I can't remember this year where Westbrook made two shots in a row. Holy smokes, man. What is going on? The wussification of society. An NBA basketball player who's a great player. He's having a bad year. Oh, my God. Somebody called you Westbrook. Boy, you should hear what people call me on social media every day. It doesn't bother me one bit. I'd still have my parents. In, I don't have any kids, as far as I know. I'd still, I'd still have my parents come in studio. Let them call me names. I don't care. <laughs> I laugh at it. And you know what? My parents would laugh at it. And that's what you should do. Either ignore it or laugh at it. Bald idiot. Oh, my God. Yeah, people call me bald idiot all the time. It's a, it's a normal thing for me. It's normal. But, you know, there are some radio hosts in this town where you, if you call them a bald idiot, they'll get a little bit insecure. Not me. I'm not like that. I'm, I'm a pretty secure guy with myself. People call me names. I can deal with it. Anyway, it's a time to go. It's time to go, isn't it, Justin? Okay, Numbchuck, it's time to go. All right, unfortunately. All right, folks, tomorrow on the show, woman coming in studio who uh, made the claim uh, that over 30 years ago she was raped by Bill Cosby. Uh, she's coming in studio to tell her story. And uh, my good friend and, and the owner of Stallone's Italian Eatery, Brett Raymer, will be joining me as well tomorrow on the program. And we will preview, of course, the UNLV game against Wyoming in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a great day. I'm off to the Mountain West Conference Tournament myself.